0: Recorded live at 4ZZZ Studios, Meandran,
1: Brisbane. On 102.1 FM. And broadcast across Australia on the community radio network. You're listening to Zed Games. Zed Games brings you the best in gaming news, reviews, community and culture. Want to reach out? Share your hot take?
0: Or do you just want to share your favourite game? Find us on socials at Games (laughs) ZedGamesAU.
2: Hey, Hazel. I hear you've got something for me. I
1: do. We've got a special Z Rewind to an early episode of Z Games with the original host, Razor Ray, um, that he's given us. It's an interview with Yahtzee Ben Croshaw, who actually used to live in Brisbane. That sounds great. Let's listen. Yeah. High five.
0: <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Zed Games, Recorded live at 4 Z Studios in Brisbane. And broadcast nationally across the community radio network. Z Games brings you the best in gaming news, reviews, community and culture.
1: From across Australia to around the world.
3: Listening to Z Games, 4 Z 102.1 FM. Uh, Our next guest is a professional video games journalist who, as well as being a contributor for Hyper and PC Gamer magazines, is uh, very well known for his weekly video game review series, Zero Punctuation. Joining us live in the studio is Yahtzee.
2: Nice to be here. Hello, Brisbane, etc. You you got that information from my Wikipedia page, didn't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> you have because a Wikipedia page,
0: that's pretty
3: cool. <laughs> because I
2: haven't written for PC Gamer in a long time, uh, it's, but it's still up there for some reason.
3: Okay, you will have to change that. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, for joining us here on Zed Games, my friend. Well,
2: I figure since apparently I've already been on this station without my knowledge, then... Uh, <laughs> It would uh, serve us all well to fill in the blanks, I guess.
3: Yes. Um, Of course, most listeners would know you probably from your Zero Punctuation uh, video game review series. Can you tell us about the early days of Zero Punctuation?
2: Well, uh, I've told this story a few times, but uh, it was about over two years ago now. And I'd just broken up with a girlfriend of about five years... And I was waiting on a call for work from a temp agency, and I was feeling very depressed and uh, very angry at a game I just played. So uh, I'd been around, knocking around this idea for a while to try and make a video for the internet without using any actual video-making equipment. Like, just with still images that I made in Photoshop and with a narration added later. So I did a review of the Darkness demo that was on PS3 at the time and put it online on YouTube. It got about 100,000 hits very quickly. Uh, the Escapers came to me with a contract and I've been doing them weekly for about two years. Can
3: you uh, explain to us how you go through and create each episode? Well, usually I start
2: off with playing the game and I'll usually do that over the course well, and it would help wouldn't it <laughs> I mean I know some journalists who just take the pay packet but um, yeah you start playing, playing the game I don't take notes or anything but just play it and then whatever's fresh in my mind I'll write down and uh, I'll set aside a couple of days like Monday and Tuesday to write down the actual scripts and then I'll um, the big part of the job is putting making all the actual images because it is just a slideshow yep. and then I've 200 images that I have to make individually, so um, that takes about three days to get all that done when I was first doing them, I could do it all in about a day because I was really into the idea, but now it's the job, you know Yeah, you kind of structure your week around it and uh, putting all the images together and recording the narration is the quick part, I can do that in about a couple of hours, usually over the weekend or on the next Monday morning And the video goes up the following week. So it's about three weeks from the release of a game to the actual review of it. So I always get people saying, when are you going to review Blur? When are you going to review Blur?
0: (laughs) Three weeks. Yes, in in, in three weeks after (laughs) it comes out. Can I ask you what (laughs) game
3: you're currently playing? Uh,
2: Currently, and this is going to be a massive... um, uh, poo Storm. I, I should say that sometimes I swear by accident, so <laughs> get your hands ready around any small children you got listening. But uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy thirteen, which is a very, very, very widely popular series. Yes. And uh, they're probably not going to like what I've got to say about it. Let's just say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we have to admit, we haven't been hearing great things.
2: Well, neither have I. I, tr- I do try to avoid... Uh, Reading other people's reviews because it kind of affects my own recollection of the game. But yeah, yeah. So I usually try to not read any hype or reviews while I'm working on the review. But uh, with a game of this this high profile, you can't really avoid it. Yeah, mm.
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Be- people are saying like uh, it gets it's really boring for the first twenty hours, but it gets better later. But that's never been an excuse in my book because you've got um, to
0: get through that first twenty hours. Well, exactly. <laughs>
2: I was talking to someone earlier and he compared it to um, having to punch yourself in the balls before you can jerk off. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you did have your hands ready <laughs> next to okay. the just then.
3: Now, uh, your reviews are known, for, as well as being hysterically funny at times, you're, you're known for being scathing and cynical. Uh, have any games publishers ever uh,
2: contacted you about the nature of your review? Uh, surprisingly, not so many publishers. I do get a lot of communication from developers, the people who actually make the game rather than who actually distribute and sell it, because um, I tend to get on well with them because they always agree with me, even when I review games they've made, because they're always like, all the things you said in your review, those are exactly the same things we said to the publisher, but they wouldn't give us any more time, money, or whatever resource they'd run out of, and they just had to speed things out for deadline.
3: Yeah. Uh, do you ever find yourself being overly critical of a game because that's what your audience would expect? <laughs> <laughs> I get
2: accused of that an awful lot. <laughs> um, I do genuinely have pretty high standards for games because I play so many of them. But um, a lot of times I do feel I have to focus on the negative because even on the games I really like because no one else will, you know, someone has to. Yeah. And that's something a lot of people who mail me tell me they appreciate.
3: Cool. Yeah. Uh, last year you compared two similar games, uh, Infamous and Prototype. Ah, uh, yes, yes, uh, yes. With a surprising outcome. Can you tell us more about that story? <laughs>
2: This is another thing from the Wikipedia page, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, at the end, because the two games, Infamous, is a sandbox game where you play a superpowered guy who has the option of being a good guy or a complete asshole to everyone he meets, like zap them in the balls and throw them off at bridges. Uh, and Prototype is another sandbox game about a guy who's also superpowered, but slight, in a different, slightly different way, where you can also be a complete ass to people, but in a much more spectacular way. And these games came out within. A week of each other, so it seemed like a strange coincidence to me. So um, it was almost inevitable that in the review of the second game, I would compare the two. So I like put them head to head while I talked about all the different features, and came to the conclusion that they both got very similar setups, but they're both very uh, different games at the at the end of all that. So I couldn't honestly make a decision on which one was best because I liked some things from someone some things from another. And it was generally even Stevens. So I said at the end of the review, if you want me to declare a winner, um, I'll hand it to the first developer who shows me a a picture of art of the other game's main character wearing a woman's bra.
0: (laughs) Did you ever get a picture of the main character?
2: They both they both were on board for this
0: brilliant
2: they saw it As a because the two studios knew each other and there was a lot yeah. of friendly rivalry going on Power apparently but they saw so they were really keen to do this so they sent they sent some extremely bizarre <laughs> images to me <laughs> not just the woman's bra like both of them also s- interpreted my request to include unicorns and rainbows <laughs> and, Fantastic. And uh, (laughs) some very frightening Vegas showgirl sort of outfits, but it was very strange. So I wrote a special article on The Escapist about it. And um, that's actually what started me writing a weekly column as well as doing the video. So... um, yeah, I guess uh, interesting things came out of it. Although it's something i not like I don't like to look back on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they're not up in your study, your workroom, on the wall.
2: No, not exactly. I got a picture of my dog pinned up next to my desk. And that's about yeah. uh,
3: it. Now, Yahtzee, can you tell me what is your most hated game of all time?
2: <sighs> it's so hard to pick. Um, <laughs> I think the game that I think is the absolute worst game I've ever reviewed cuz I can't say which is the worst game ever because the obvious answer is ETV the TI 2600. No game is going to be worse than that. And if you if you're not counting commercial games just go to Newgrounds or something and search for everything that got one star cuz you should see what gets five stars on that fucking site. <laughs> but the worst game I've ever reviewed would be Too Human, which was a third-person hacky slashy Shujima from Silicon Knights, who made the excellent Eternal Darkness, the Nintendo GameCube a few years back. But Two Human was a really long-in-the-making project. And apparently all that time was spent just kicking it around a bathroom floor or something, because it had the worst level design I've ever seen. And if you're going to make a game about Norse gods, which it was about, it's about this like futuristic guy who was based on Balder, the Norse god, and he's mates with Thor and Odin and all those guys, then at least make them interesting. Because that's what the Norse gods were. They were fiery thunderous personalities, but it was a bunch of guys going, let's fight the evil ones. Alright.
0: <laughs> and they didn't even have black and white evil in Norse mythology. Well, no,
2: this is the thing. So this is the thing that, this is like the modernisation of religions to like tie in with Christianity that yeah, I've yeah. heard a few I- times. Like, it, they always like have to set up this the the good god figure and the evil god figure yeah
0: yeah that dichotomy which you then get in most games these days anyway well, with well, the yes, exactly. character choices <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah the old moral choice system yes which is one of the things infamous did yeah you know, would let you like kill people with nasty lightning or help them with good lightning
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's still lightning yes, <laughs> yes
2: it was good like restart heart lightning which is apparently the, what you can use to heal every injury short of a paper cut. <laughs> Although I did find the evil powers were a lot better <laughs> in that game. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I just played a good guy all the way through because with a lot of these games, and it's one of the reasons I object to the mobile choice system because it's, it's just artificially lengthened in gameplay time, mm. but all it really does is cut off half of the game's content. And um, if you if you don't go all the way good or all the way evil, you don't get all the best powers, and that was especially the case with that game. Yeah, yeah. It's the similar things that... Um, dandes inferno's done this is a that's a reese fairly recent hack and slasher in the god of war sort of vibe but um yeah you get holy points and unholy points you get holy points by uh absolving enemies which you do by smacking them about the head till they die <laughs> and you get unholy points by punishing enemies which you do by smacking them about the head until they die <laughs> and there's two different upgrade tracks and only and you have to go like all the way one all the way there to get all the best ones but the game doesn't even judge you for taking on holy points. I don't even know what the point is. <laughs> um so back into your mysterious past.
1: <laughs> My m- pre pre facial hair. Um <laughs> what, what do you how, mean? Were, how were you introduced into the world of video games? What what was your first console or first games you remember playing? Uh,
2: the first console I ever had was a thing called the Philips video pack, which was called the Magnavox Oddity outside Europe. And it was, I didn't know this till years later, but it was basically the main competitor of the Atari 2600 that was way worse. <laughs> and I remember having a game called Munchkin, which was just Pac-Man, but we'll the main character had antennae as well. <laughs> and apparently they got sued for that, yep. as as you might expect. But yeah, I remember when I was something like six, seven years old, and in the living room playing Pickaxe Pete, and uh, that's the only uh, name of the games I remember. There was (laughs) another thing that was sort of war game, that all that I remember about is that at the end of each round, all the characters would salute, and then there'd be a second's pause, and then they'd all dance about into crazy music, and then the ones that lost (laughs) would all just put hands on their hips looking like like assholes. <laughs> I, didn't, I wouldn't say it really got me into gaming. The console that really got me into gaming, or gaming platform rather, was the Commodore 64.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: Which uh, I had, uh, when they actually had to use cassette tapes for games. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Shit, run, stop, press play on tape, go get a book for Make half Make a hour. sandwich, <laughs> yeah. play in the yard. Yeah, <laughs> see,
0: so it was good for your you know, you
2: did get outside. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, the first game I ever had on the Commodore 64 was Fantasy World Dizzy, which was a series of games that I don't think were ever released outside Europe about uh, little adventure games where you're an egg jumping about for no better reason than because it, an egg is an easy sprite to render, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Commodore yeah. 64. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I got really into that. I used to do like my own Dizzy comics when I was really young. And that moved into like like, trying to design my own games on pieces of paper with just trying to storyboard it out when I am from the age of, like, eight onwards. And, yeah, so I've been pretty much playing all the console generations up to then. There have been moments of extreme poverty in my life when I've missed out on console generations. Like, uh, I was really out of it for the Nintendo 64 era. So, but which, and none of those games have aged well. Mm. I look back on something like Mario 64, which everyone says is a classic, but I was never really into I could never really get into. I actually prefer Mario Sunshine on the GameCube, which to a lot of Nintendo people I know is like spitting in the face of Christ.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've still never finished it, but yeah, it was a pretty good game. And I definitely know what you mean about Mario 64. I remember playing it when it was new and thinking, this is incredible, but going back and playing it, the, you think this camera is
2: a piece yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, we've figured out how how that all works now. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but you mentioned, you know, designing uh, adventure games on paper and stuff when you're a kid. You've designed yes. a, a few games since then? Yes. i Have you l- been working on anything lately?
2: Uh, huh, huh, huh. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, shit, my phone's ringing.
0: You're <laughs> 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 supposed to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: uh, I should probably do that. Now, <laughs> go away. Sorry, it's just my business partner in the bar. I don't know what he wants. Probably wants to know how the interview <laughs> went. <laughs> Did you talk up the man about? <laughs> no, but um, I forgot what I was talking about now. Uh, adventure games? Your oh, yeah. games. Yes, I've, yeah. I've, I've designed a few games. I've been designing adventure games because when I was younger, I was really into the whole uh, point-and-click adventure game sort of gameplay, like yeah, Secret of Monkey Island, all the LucasArts stuff. So I designed a couple of things. The first things I did was this these terrible series of games in Visual Basic that I made on my school library computers. And um, after that, I discovered a program called Adventure Game Studio, which is basically custom-built stuff for that. And I made a couple of sci- sci-fi games that got around a bit. Uh, a few years later, I picked it up again and made a, ga- a series of games called the Gezo Mythos, which is the one that made me pseudo-popular before Zero Punctuation made me very popular. Gezo Mythos was a sort of uh, series of horror games based on the concept of uh, a one... you're trapped in one location, and uh, with the number of rooms, and you just revisit all those different rooms over a series of days. Uh, I've also... I've al- after that, I've been since then I've kind of uh, lost faith in the whole adventure game model the whole inventory puzzles thing it's a lot of them a little bit random I find like you'll use a cooking pot as a helmet when mm, you, definitely
3: yeah yeah I remember playing um sorry I remember playing at Day of the Tentacle your yes, one. Yes, yeah 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 um I needed the walkthrough because it was pretty much impossible to know that you had to put the spoon in the time machine and send it
2: back <laughs> yeah. in time without actually knowing yeah there was some crazy puzzles there I have no idea how you're supposed to figure this out but um, there was one bit where you had to uh, get a hamster. And put the hamster in an ice machine, and then take that, And then you had to take the froze go go into the future and take the frozen hamster out out of the ice machine, and then put it in a microwave. And then you had to get the hamster to run on a little wheel for you to generate power, but the, but he wasn't warm enough, so you had to get him a little jumper. And he could only get a little jumper by uh, getting a normal-sized jumper and putting it in a tumble dryer, and then putting 500 quarters in it so it wouldn't be finished until the future. <laughs> And you have to go so into the future great. again to get the tiny sweater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why you couldn't just wrap some cotton wool around the little bastard. Bastards. Yeah. Yeah. That's why.
1: <laughs> bastard game
2: developers. But yeah, so the <laughs> adventure game play, I kind of lost faith in for pretty much that reason. It's just so unintuitive a lot of ways. I've been working on a sort of adventure game idea that doesn't really use inventory puzzles. I don't know if you've ever played Loom, which was an old uh, Luke's Heart adventure that didn't have inventory puzzles. But you just had this magic staff that lets you cast uh, various spells that you have to use in various situations to solve the puzzles. So I've been doing something based around that model where you've got a phone, and the phone's got this weird reality warping ability where you have to dial certain numbers and certain effects happen to the landscape, but that one's on the back burner at the moment. At the moment, I've I'm working on my first 3D game, which I'm making with a program called Unity 3D, which is a fairly easy to use easy 3D stuff, and I'm trying to make a a space game, because space games have been too dry and boring for too long. The only games you can play these days in space are something like EVE Online, which is like space as colonised by accountants. (laughs) (laughs) I played it for about a week, and it's like you've got 50 spreadsheets on screen at any one time and you don't actually control your ship directly and it's so boring. Football Manager 2010. Ex- exactly. In, in space.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't space always make it better? At
2: no. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> not, apparently not when you let nerds colonise it.
0: <laughs> so I
2: I think space should be an adventurous place. It's the final frontier. You, you should have like Heroic space captains fighting monsters and snogging green-skinned alien babes. So, I'm going to try and make... And and I do like the feel of flying through space, that that whole epic feel of bigness of the universe to explore. So, that's what I'm trying to do, because it seems like it'd be an easy game to make. You just have to render a few planets and a whole load of bugger all. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Random space. Okay, well, we'll be back with
3: Yahtzee uh, right after this. You're listening to Zed Games. On four triple Z with Z Games. Yes, Yarci is still here. Hello. We've got we're going to talk about the Mana Bar. You're a part of that. Yes. Yeah. Launching this Saturday. The Saturday at midday, right?
2: Yes, indeed. Um, what do you guys have uh, planned for the launch? What do we have planned? Well, we've planned to open it. That will probably help. <laughs> we've got a lot of interest in the bar so far. Like something like the Facebook event for the opening day has got like six hundred followers and we can only fit fifty people in the place. <laughs> <laughs> so we're anticipating having a big old queue. Oh. <laughs> so we have got a couple of uh girls who are friends of ours who are dressing up in some uh video game cosplay. And they're going to, like... Their job is to... In- <laughs> so I said that in a slightly pervy way. Uh,
0: yes.
2: <laughs> they're dressing up in cosplay. <laughs> perfectly innocent cosplay. And they're going to be... Uh, we've got a friend of mine uh, who's dressing up as the little sister from Bioshock. And she's going to be... Cool. Going up and down the queue, in character, maybe, <laughs> and handing out Bioshock uh, merchandise that we've managed to get from 2K. And, um... Yeah, we've got a couple of events inside the bar. We've got we've got junglist from Good Game coming up and we've got beat junglist at FIFA and get a prize or a free drink or something or we'll work it work it out. We've awesome. also got Beat Me at Guitar Hero, but uh I'll beat you at Guitar Hero. yeah because okay. uh, <laughs> I got a reputation on my friends of being good at it, but I'm really not as good as some people, so I imagine there's gonna be a lot of free drinks being given <laughs> out that day. <laughs> Perhaps uh we should explain what the Mana Bar is. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, what is
0: ha- the Mana Bar? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah.
2: It's basically, well, we hope it is, but we're t- pretty sure it's the first video game bar in Brisbane. And I just want to stress it's not a land cafe and it's not an arcade or anything like that. It's a bar, it's a social bar where you have drinks and cocktails and where there's also games you can play to socialize around because it was a brainchild of my friend Yug who does bits of the Australian Gaming podcast which you broadcast on this uh, who noticed cuz he used to host a lot of parties cuz he had this he used to live in this place with a really good rooftop balcony so he hosted a ton of parties but he noticed a lot of people would get around the TV whenever Guitar Hero was turned on and they'd be all, and they'd all be playing that and sometimes he'd bring up a projector to the roof and display games from the Wii or the Xbox and uh, everyone seemed to get into it it was it seemed to be a great way to bring people together have a drink in one hand and a controller in the other and that's and we knew there was this vacant bar as part of the Jewish right central on Brunswick Street so we thought he tries luck see if it was possible to get hold of and two years later here we are so we're all pretty excited about it it's uh, me and Yug and uh, Praz who uh, works at Sega Creative Assembly Praz and Maldi and uh, Shay Lazen, who's got about 15 years bar experience who's actually knows what he's doing So, yeah, and we're opening on Saturday from noon. We've got a couple of uh, VIP events before then, but Saturday is the official public opening, so we're all pretty excited to see how it works out. We've got five TV screens hooked up with current generation consoles and games. Come in, have a play, have a drink. Cool. So how many people will be able to play at the same time? Uh, Each TV has got to set up for four controllers at a time. So up to four, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, More people can... You can, we want people to really swap the controls around. We really yeah. want to be the sort of like uh, convivial sort of pass the controller along once you finish it around because yeah. we, we don't want people just hogging a controller for like half an hour. Yeah. We're not there to play the games. You're there to have fun and the games are there to cement the, the social fun aspects of it,
1: I guess.
3: Mm.
1: yeah So are you going to be providing specially modified beer helmets that can support <laughs> cocktail glasses while people play or do we have to bring those ourselves?
2: Uh, I think you're just going to have to figure out how to play one-handed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are what you getting consoles? dead or alive paradise, <laughs> 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 masturbation joke. <laughs> um, if it's popular. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, which consoles are you going with then? Uh, all of them, or uh,
2: we've 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 got current generation consoles, as I said. Yeah. Um, basically, hopefully, all of them eventually. But you're but starting
0: with Wii, Xbox.
2: Um, or is it a secret? Yeah, we're starting with those. I've kind of been. <laughs> no, we're, we're working on game companies, and um, and we're we're hoping to have all three consoles at some point. We we do have most of what we want. Uh, we've got enough for the launch, but um, well, no, but <laughs> the launch is <laughs> right. Everything's going to be fine.
0: Cool. Um, what are your actual plans for after the launch? Do you guys, are you guys going to have regular events? Are people going to be able to hire it? We
2: certainly are. We've got, <laughs> pack, we've got packages for hiring the bar for a few hours a night, if, if you really want. Yeah. And uh, that will run you a bit of money, obviously. Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> Functions cause, do. Yeah, we're
2: running a business here, yeah. guys. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have regular events, regular competitions, regular Guitar Hero competitions, Possibly not with me involved <laughs> because uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are way better than me who, will, who uh, spend all their lives playing it because they're weird. We're also going to have regular trivia nights which I will host. We uh, The first one is on Tuesday next week assuming everything works out. So we've got some interesting prizes lined up for that. Uh, so we've got sponsors from various game studios.
0: Great. What kind of trivia what well, are we going to get
2: caught on? Well, it's it's uh, gaming themed, yeah. But we don't want to do all gaming questions because that just stacks things too much in the favour of of the um,
0: hardcore,
2: the enthusiast, I would yes, say? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we really, we really want to be an inclusive sort. Of, yeah. Excuse me. We want to be an inclusive sort of place. So it's fifty percent gaming questions and fifty percent general knowledge, just to throw the nerds off.
0: Yes, <laughs> actually that would. <laughs> I suck bad. at general knowledge. <laughs> But yeah, it's fantastic! So, um, Manabar opening this
2: weekend. Yes, you're indeed. excited. I'm well, excited is one word for it. Yeah, <laughs> as terrified out of my mind would be another good one, because yeah. we're still putting things together, and our first VIP event is tomorrow night, and I, I have a horrible feeling we're going to we're going to fling wide the doors, and then everything's just going to go boo. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, best of luck with it anyway. I'm sure it'll be awesome. I hope so. We're all looking forward to it. Uh, thank you very much for joining us in the program, Yahtzee. Before we uh, let you go, though, I've got a, uh, what we call the Z Games Turbo Fire. Okay. We've got about 20 questions, and we're gonna, we've got 30 seconds to answer them all. You should be good at this one, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, let's start it off. NES or Master System? Uh, Master System. SNES or Mega Drive? Uh, SNES. N64 or PlayStation? PlayStation. GameCube or Xbox. GameCube. GameCube or PS2? PS2. Mario or Zelda? Zelda. Mario or Sonic? Oh,
2: that's not fair. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Mario, now, Sonic, about ten years ago. Oblivion or
3: Fallout 3?
2: They're the same, aren't they?
3: (laughs) Uh, Gran Turismo or Burnout? Burnout. GTA 4 or Saints Row 2? Saints Row 2, underlined three times. (laughs) Call of Duty or Battlefield? Uh, Call of Duty. Bayonetta or Darksiders?
2: Bayonetta, again, underlined three times.
3: (laughs) RPG or FPS?
2: Uh, FPS at the pitch. FPS RPG, if... (laughs) if uh. And finally, to WoW or not to WoW? Um... Please don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: It'll take your life away. Sounds good. Thank you very much for joining us, Yahtzee. And don't forget, Manabar opens this Saturday. Come on down and join
2: the queue.
0: Thanks for listening to Zed Games. If you'd like to listen to
1: more, you can find us on the Community Radio Plus app or find us on socials at Zed Games AU. See you next time. <laughs>